Welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast, a podcast designed for you with insights from fellow members as well as NFP and Partners Financial experts. Hi, welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast. I'm Kristen Williams, and this is the second part of our two-part series on selling long-term care insurance to the high net worth client. If you remember from part one, I'm joined by Ben Cronish of Cronish Associates, Joe Donovan, Bay Financial, Jonathan Gear, Gear Financial Services, Marty Nanny, NFP Minnesota, and Ryan Baradas, Wealth Point. This conversation turned to, into a much longer conversation than we normally have for our podcast. So we broke it into two sessions. And in this session, we jump right into a discussion of whether or not people are still selling standalone long-term care insurance. Please join us with the conversation already in progress. Yeah. Does anybody even sell traditional old school long-term care today? No, because the rates are not guaranteed. Yeah. But we show it. we show it every time as a baseline. We use that old three chart thing. Yeah. Can't see it, but we actually yeah. in our office helped develop it. And uh so it's sort of like here's long term care, use it or lose it. And then we kind of go through the like Ben was saying, then we go to single premium where you're it was a great product when interest rates were zero, but you you know you really only get it when you get the long term care. Then we do indemnity and then we do uh you know reimbursement, because obviously reimbursement's cheaper than indemnity. You say that is it worth an extra ten percent to have the benefits of indemnity, and most more affluent people are saying, "Got to shake the heads and yeah, I'd rather." Right. You know what I've been doing is I've been essentially saying to people, "Do you expect your last check to bounce?" Um, and if and if they say no, then I say, "Well, if you're going to die with money in your bank account, um, whatever money you transfer into, particularly a hybrid product, um, it's basically a movement of money from one place to the other." Right. You're going to. I mean, you guess you could use the same argument if you use the life policy with a long-term care rider, but you know, to, to buy a single pay hybrid or uh, the care matters or a five pay or a 10 pay, you know, and say you're gonna move money from the from the bank account into this insurance product bank account, and at death, you're gonna get back what you put in. I mean, there's essentially no return on the money, but if there's if there's an event, you're gonna get, you know, X percentage uh, um, bonus on that money. and. It, again, I just think from a consumer perspective, even for those wealthy people, and, and maybe even more so for wealthy people who know they're not going to be bouncing their last check, allocating some money that they're essentially know they're getting back. Um, you know, we're really doing that every product we sell, but we don't talk about it that way. Um, we focus on a much bigger benefit on the life side. With this, I'm forced to focus on, you put in $100,000, you know, you're going to get a death benefit of 100000 You get your money back. And you're going to get long-term care benefits starting at a four hundred thousand dollar pool that's going to grow to six hundred seven hundred thousand so where is this really costing you anything other than the use of that money um the opportunity cost if if you're lucky enough to die and not need care mm -hmm. so those of you who sell it regularly marty you said you're selling it a lot more these days is it is it a thing that you bring up as you meet with your clients or do you just you know, talk to them about their family situation and, and wait for them to mention it. It is part of the fact finding when I, I got a couple on last week, they're early 60s and, I, and uh, her father is in a nursing home sick. And I, I said, are you expecting, number one, any inheritance? Because we talk about disclaiming those assets down to multiple generations. 
and or are you guys funding your parents right now in the nursing home? What's that expense like? And then they say, you know, I can't believe how expensive it is. It's 12400 in memory care. And and then they say, you know, is that something we should do? And I said, well, you can, you know, like everybody said, you can do the hybrid, park some cash, you're out the time value of money, or you can do the life with the long-term care rider. So we do talk about it. And we're just seeing, again, like I said, it's probably just my aging clientele and myself that more people are becoming interested or, or at least discussing it now. So it's it, it comes out of the fact-finding process when we talk about, you know, did you have parents that went to a nursing home or grandparents? And sometimes it's that horror story that just scared them to buy it, right? They just said, I don't ever want to have that happen again. So what about you, Joe? Sorry, I forgot the question. <laughs> Are you finding that? I hope you have long-term care. I was going to say, I need memory care on my policy. <laughs> <laughs> So are you finding like Marty that it's part of your just fact finding process as you're getting to know clients? Is it something that now you've added to your the sort of suite of tools that you bring up? Or, you know, how are you finding that you're it's becoming part of the conversation? Yeah, I'd say we bring it up in pretty much we do like I said in every financial plan, we certainly bring it up, we review it. You know, we review their existing and charts to kind of show them, you know, how you can shift it around their balance sheet. It's like you've got an asset. We can move it over here, add long-term care. Mm-hmm. So we try to bring it up as often. The other thing is uh, business owners, closely held business owners. We deal with a lot of them. They're still paying for DI. They're 61, they're 62, yeah. 63. These guys are going to work till they like, die. And they only got two or three years of benefit left on their DI. I say, well, we take those dollars and use it to buy something you might actually use. And that gets them started with the funding there. Mm-hmm. So, and for those, Jonathan and Ryan, you said that occasionally you bring it up, but it doesn't get sold very often. Why do you think it is that it's not actually being sold? Yeah, I don't know. It, it seems to me, well, first of all, I will tell you, because a lot of the clients, typically they come to, to me. They come to us first. And for, unfortunately, I mean, unlike Marty, we, we typically aren't the ones that ask the question. But it's brought up. And the, the ones that are interested in it, when it gets down to overall cost, there's usually hesitancy because they're in their 50s and 60s already, and it, it obviously gets more expensive. The other thing that you run into when they're in their 50s and 60s is they start to run into health issues, which, again, we have problems on the morbidity side of the underwriting, not the mortality side of the underwriting. So, you know, those... That's the primary reason. And again, I would say in my, my case personally, it's just we're not asking questions. Mm-hmm. I believe in it. I've experienced it with my parents. Um, I've experienced it with my own personal coverage. I bought individual coverage when I was 50 years old. I'm 63 years old. My premium when I purchased it was $4,000. My premium today is $12,000. So every time the bill comes due, you say, well, should I pay it? Well, even if it becomes 20000 or whatever the number is, 6000 it's still cheaper long-term to keep it than not. But at the end of the day, if I never use it, I'm going to lose it. So mm-hmm. this is me off every time, but I'm still paying the premium. But it's incentive to sell the other. You know, the, with, with it as a rider on the life insurance, to me, it's a no-brainer. And I'm saying that, and I know you're thinking, well, why aren't you selling it? Uh, there's really there's really no good reason. Again, I... I turn a lot of it over to Jason. Mm-hmm. He does sell a fair amount of it. And again, it's it's a it's a great conversation starter um, or a great piece of a conversation. But the majority of times it just doesn't get done. 
What do you think about if you have a client who wants to leave a charitable legacy or has promised a charitable gift to the school or something? And, you know, well, life insurance is a great way to fund that endowment or make that promise. As you were saying, Joe, you do the small policies, the 500000 that they own personally. Is there a way to tie that policy with the long-term care writer into that we need to fund this charitable gift that you've made. Whatever's left on your policy, we can use for that purpose, for the charitable gift purpose. Do you think there's a client base there that would be like, oh, that's another cool idea. We'll use this one thing for three different purposes. I hadn't thought of that one. <laughs> Everyone else is like, I know. <laughs> you want to yeah, sell this stuff, you know? You got to get out yeah. there and start to sell it. <laughs> Hey, Kristen, I, I have a question. If if you did, uh, I, you asked the question of me and Jonathan, and uh, uh, you know me, I, I, I'm usually not shy on, on any calls, but I just don't talk about this stuff. <laughs> a lot of it is head trash from, uh, uh, you know, experiencing people talk about the administration of claims and, and it just being such a pain in the ass uh, product. And so it's like, I don't even want to mess with it. But if you were to do a lifelong term care policy in an irrevocable trust, for mm -hmm. instance, um, and then uh, it's it structured as a grantor trust, you could always, uh, upon claim, you could uh, use the right to substitute assets and put other assets in and pull the policy back out. But if you don't uh, experience claim, is that a strategy that could be used? If you don't experience claim, now it's outside of the taxable estate? So, yes, I mean, you can put the policy on a writer inside a trust, and it's done some research on this. It, the writer is considered a right of the policy owner, so it's a right of the trustee to exercise or not exercise, not the grantor. So it should not trigger estate inclusion, even if you do need to claim and you leave it inside the trust. Also, if your kids, it's not considered a gift if you pay for somebody's education or health care, so like grandparents can pay for their kids' education. That's not considered a gift if they pay it directly to the school. If somebody pays for your medical care, that's not considered a gift. So if we leave the rider in the trust and we need to make a claim, we could technically then distribute that money out to the kids who could then pay for whatever long-term care service you needed, and that wouldn't be considered a gift. So we can leave it inside the trust. To your point, we can swap out assets but I think the larger point is more along the lines of Joe's idea, let's just do an add-on sale with smaller policies. We put the policy in the trust to keep it safe from creditors and estate taxes and all of that. Let's let that policy stay in the trust and do its thing and then sell more insurance to some there. <laughs> those riders are actually a pretty big drag on IRRs. So you probably want to just separate in the people's minds so you can kind of sell Here's our pure IRR death benefit trust sale, and this is more of the heartstring sale. You know, let's take care of a problem that everybody's worried about. That's JD, exactly. I'm just trying to figure out how to complicate it so I can sell more of it. And so, <laughs> <laughs> me, I just don't like to complicate anything. I've tried to get you know, simple so, in my old days. Along the lines of complicating it, um, and I think I might have. I've explored this and the answer from the carriers was no in terms of putting a contract like that inside of a qualified plan. Um, you know, we can buy a life insurance policy in a qualified plan. Can we buy a life insurance policy with a long-term care rider inside a qualified plan? And the answer is no. No. So, um, 
why why would that be why couldn't you what's the technical reason or is it an admin reason why you can't it, there's a technical reason the service has said that the possibility of distribution brought on the long-term care rider could be considered in-service distributions which could disqualify your plan and because they're the irs they've decided that the moment you put that rider on that policy in the plan it's just disqualified because it could be so we'll just disqualify it from the get-go so that but you can have but you can have a waiver of premium on a policy that's inside a qualified plan and essentially that's doing the same thing isn't it really probably yes but as we know the irs doesn't really understand life insurance so they probably <laughs> don't understand how that waiver of premium rider actually works but it also is not the waiver premium rider isn't pushing money out of the qualified plan, but the long term no. rider would push the money out of the plan to pay for the services. So, no, as it and a little bit of a different subject matter, as far as the cures, nationwide is the one that keeps coming up. It's the only cure that I really know is ex excels in this area. Who are the other carriers? Back. Um, Actually, Peru has got a fairly generous because sometimes, like you said, these things are hard to underwrite. Peru's chronic rider, we found to be pretty generous. It's chronic, yeah. Okay. It's chronic, but Peru had a six ADL. Joe, is is Peru the one that um, I know? There's one carrier, and I think it's either Peru or Equitable that allows you to have an increasing death benefit, and the long-term care rider will track what the increasing benefit. Every, you know, other carriers, you can have an increasing benefit. But the long-term care rider set at the initial base um is it one of them has that where it goes up and you better equitable the problem is it goes back to the earlier point though what's pushing up the death benefits cash value you don't want a lot of cash value in these contracts you want as much amount of risk as possible <laughs> you want to claim you don't want to get your own money back you want the net amount of no debt. but the but the the the, the pushback from the younger people who look at a life policy with a long-term care rider is if I buy a million dollars of life insurance today and I'm 40 years old, when I'm 80 and I might need care, all I've got, all I've got is still a million dollar pool of money. I say, so what's that? Don't yeah, right. But, but that's not, unfortunately, that's not always the way it goes, right? Right. So it's an imperfect solution. Yeah. I mean, long-term care has got the cost of living. That's why, you know, they're having so much financial trouble cost of living riders and the like the coverage and everything else. I mean, I think that's why insurance companies like it. It goes from like a pension plan when you're younger to a five contribution plan. It's they're going to pay you 500,000, you know, live, die, or get sick. It's just a matter of timing. We all know what you want to claim. You've got a shortened life expectancy. So I think that's why we're seeing these things at fairly reasonable prices. And it, isn't, when I, isn't the benefit of the nationwide product though that you can put on their GUL uh, chassis? Yeah. yeah. So for someone like you who's been through a long-term care raise on their parents, it's like guaranteed premium, guaranteed death benefit. Right. No, we're, no I, I think that's a really important point. So I was just going to jump on because I think Joe said it earlier, but the one I just did was my buddy who was just calling him nine, 10 million bucks and he's 58 and his wife's 59. He had a couple old uh, NML policies, one's whole life, one's VUL. His VOL was uh, 200 grand of cash value, 490,000 of death benefit. He was paying 6,000 bucks a year. We did a 1035 into the nationwide uh, IUL with an age 90 no lapse guarantee and long-term care. So he's got a million of life, million long-term care and guaranteed to 90. 
And he's paying the same premium he was paying for four hundred ninety-five thousand on his VUL, and yeah. he wasn't and he wasn't going to use those dollars. And so now and then, we bought his wife her own uh, self-standing one as well. And then, uh, but that that was just repurposing the money, like Joe said, on you know a whole life ten thirty-fives. But if you have any clients with you know multiple policies and they have this, they said I'm never going to use it. Well, double it up and protect them two ways. And you so. can all can't you also do this on a second to die contract as well? Yeah, that just came out a couple of weeks ago nationwide. Yeah, in your case, if you're ten thirty-five or whatever you were doing, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Marty, to the age ninety, the thing I think of is how many ninety-year-olds you couldn't find two out of six they qualify for it. Exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. Up, start talking to the doctors to you know at the ADA, you know. Well, half the people on this call could qualify right now for two of them. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for a new place. <laughs> I have a reimbursement contract. It's too tough. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I just wanted to offer up, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to stay away from when I talk about it is getting into the lingo of, you know, hybrid and, and all that. So I, I basically termed it, you can get a life insurance focused long-term care contract or a long-term care focused contract. And that's how I, so if I'm using, you know, if I'm using a life with an LTC rider, I call that your folks on life insurance benefit. And sometimes when we run them just for comparison purposes, you know, we'll use the same premium structure or we'll use the same long-term care benefit. So if someone wants a $10,000 a month long-term care benefit and you're using a life chassis policy, you have to have a $500,000 death benefit to give you 2000 a month. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you play that out and someone used it every month, they're going to use the whole benefit up in 48 months, right? 50 months, they're going to use the whole amount of money. So then run the hybrid with the same 10,000 a month benefit with a four-year benefit period. So it's 48 months. And just see how those how those premiums compare. Um, and then essentially you're just saying, you know, if you're going to allocate these dollars, you tell me where you want the focus. Do you want $500,000 of life insurance that gives you 2,000 or, or 10,000 a month? Or do you want 180,000 a life insurance that gives you 14,000 a month because we've got the inflation benefit there. So it's a simple way to talk about it and stay away from using all those terms that people start to glass eye over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Well, we're almost out of time. So I want to put all of you on the spot and ask, you know, are you going to sell, are you going to bring this up more often? Are you going to talk to your more wealthy clients about this and, you know, make this more a part of your, your day-to-day fact finding and, you know, client services? It's a podcast. So everybody's not. <laughs> yes. Yes, 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 I am. We will. Jonathan will now too. Probably not. Uh, probably, <laughs> the, probably to the same extent that I'm doing it right now. You know, pr- prior to this, you know, there, there were actual individuals, they were long-term care specialists. That's all they did. Mm-hmm. So it's not really what, it's not really what I do. Right. It's just a, an additional conversation. Again, in my case, I'm fortunate enough to turn it over to somebody. And I think Ryan asked the question. It's like, Hey, who can we hand this off to mm-hmm. if we don't want to do it? It's only that we trust and then screw things up. So, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. I could sell it. I can sell it. I can sell you on why it makes great sense. Personally, no, I'm probably not going to do any more than what I'm currently doing. Okay. I love it. Radical honesty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, only do, I'll only do more or do it if I've got somebody to hand it off to. Otherwise, I'm not going to venture in there. Ryan, his name is Jason Beard. I'll send you his email. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, thank you all so much for jumping on this call. This was a great discussion. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Christoph. Nice time. See you guys. See y'all.